scripture reading for this morning is Mark chapter 11, verses 27 to 33. And before I ask Debbie to come forward and um, read the scripture for us, I do just want to introduce the text. Um, there was a story recently, uh, you might have read it in the newspaper, about uh, someone, a particularly notable individual, who was caught uh, shoplifting. And um, the person's res- response was really interesting. And not only really interesting, but really quite common in these sorts of situations. person argued that her actions were out of character. That was the argument. Actions were out of her character. She was acting out of character. It wasn't in her character to do what she did. And um, we might kind of laugh at that, but that's actually something that you hear a lot of Christians say as well. Christians say, I was under pressure and I acted out of character. It's a very common thing to hear people say, even Christians say. Um, But it's not true. (laughs) that's not true in fact the opposite is true we reveal ourselves under pressure just think about if you get a little Cadbury cream egg you put it in a hydraulic press what's going to happen if you put it under that pressure what's going to happen it's going to reveal what's on the inside isn't it (laughs) people are the same people are just like that little Cadbury cream egg you put them under pressure they reveal what's on the inside under pressure we reveal what is in our character. Or another example. Think about having children. Before you have children, you think, I'm a pretty patient guy. Then you have children. And you realize, well, I'm not patient. I'm not patient at all. Pressure reveals people, doesn't it? And that brings us to our text for this morning. It's under pressure that Jesus reveals these religious leaders. It's under pressure that Jesus reveals these religious leaders for who they are. And what do we see? We see ugliness. And in the same way, it's under pressure that Jesus reveals himself. And what do we see? We see beauty. We see beauty. So that's what we'll be looking at this morning. So if I could ask Debbie to come forward and bring our scripture reading which again is Mark 11, verses 27 to 33. Thank you, Debbie. Mark 11, 27. And they came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him. And they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things, or who gave you this this authority to do them? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But shall we say from man? They were afraid of the people, for they all held that John was really a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you what authority I do these things. Wonderful. Well, before we um, turn to the Lord in the text, let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Will you pray with me? 
Gracious Father, we pray that you would reveal yourself to us. We pray that you would, by your grace, make us humble before you so that when we see our true characters revealed to us under pressure, that we would acknowledge that, we would confess that, and that we would come to you to find grace. And we pray that we would see Jesus in all of his beauty as he reveals his character under pressure, his wisdom, his love, his grace, which is to say, as he reveals you, for he is the radiance of your glory, the exact imprint of your nature. So may we see Jesus this morning, that we might love him and love each other. Be with us now. Take our eyes off ourselves, fix them on you and him. In his name we pray. Amen. Um, so I said a moment ago that Jesus reveals himself here. And one of the things that you see revealed in the Lord Jesus, one of the things that you see in him, is a remarkable fearlessness. It's almost as though he didn't even feel it. You have people like that. They just don't feel fear. And it's almost as though Jesus didn't even feel fear here. Think of verse 27. Mark says this, And they came again to Jerusalem. And as he was walking in the temple. You know, if you only read Mark, you kind of get the picture that Jesus is sort of taking a walk by himself alone. But if you read the other Gospels, you see that Jesus is very much not alone. The people are there. And Jesus is teaching the people. And Jesus is preaching the Gospel to the people. Jesus is has got these people here, and it's a beautiful picture. He's feeding these people as a shepherd feeds sheep. That's the picture. But as I say, it's a picture of fearlessness. Now, why do I say it's a picture of fearlessness? Well, it's a picture of fearlessness because Jesus is doing that beautiful act of a shepherd feeding his sheep. He's doing that beautiful act in the temple that he cleansed the day before. It's Tuesday. That was Monday. Let me ask you a question. If you were at someone's house and you flipped the table, would you go back the next day? If you were at a restaurant and you flipped a table, would you go back the next day? You wouldn't, would you? Jesus is back in the place where only the day before he was flipping tables. Now, of course, the temple is his house, so he has every right to do that, and the analogy breaks down at that point. But still, it's a picture of fearlessness, because here he is. He's not lying low, even though, verse 18, the religious leaders want to kill him. But instead of lying low, he's feeding the people in the temple. No fear whatsoever of the religious leaders, only what? Only love in his heart for the people that he's feeding. But it's at that point in the temple, feeding the sheep as a shepherd feeds sheep, feeding his people as a shepherd feeds sheep, it's at that point that great pressure is applied to Jesus. Read the rest of verse 27. The chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him. 
you know, I really think that the pressure being applied to Jesus is lost on us because we don't understand what's happening at this point. We don't understand the picture. This group that comes to Jesus, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders, is what's known as the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin with the basically the Jewish Supreme Court. Just like today. It doesn't get any higher than the Supreme Court. If they rule on a case, that's it. You can't go any higher than the Supreme Court. And this is the same. It didn't get any higher than the Sanhedrin. And it's the Sanhedrin, the Jewish Supreme Court, that come to Jesus in front of all the people and pose this question. Verse 28. They said to him, by what authority are you doing these things? Or he, or who gave you this authority to do? You know, I imagine a lot of conniving went into this question. The fact that all of them show up to ask this question suggests that a lot of conniving went into this question. But going deeper, I imagine the Sanhedrin, the Jewish Supreme Court, thought of this question and came up with this question as a sort of trap for Jesus. Think about it. If Jesus answers this question by naming a man, if he cites a man as the one who gave him authority, what can they do as the Jewish Supreme Court, as the Sanhedrin? They can just say, well, our authority trumps that person's authority because they're the head honchos. It doesn't get any higher than them. So if Jesus names a man, they can just say, well, our authority trumps that person's authority. But if Jesus names God, if he says God gave me this authority, what will they accuse him of? They'll accuse him of blasphemy. So it's a trap, isn't it? And so you just think about the pressure that Jesus is under at this point. Here he is in public. All the people are there. And the Jewish Supreme Court have asked him this trap of a question. But like all pressure situations, it's at that point that Jesus not only reveals himself, but as I said in the beginning, and this is remarkable, he reveals the religious leaders. Read with me verses 29 to 33. Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But shall we say from man? They were afraid of the people, for they all held that John was really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. It's a remarkable turn of events, isn't it? Talk about turning on a dime. Here they were, thinking that they had Jesus trapped. But what has happened? He's trapped them. They're the ones who are now facing the pressure of having to answer what to them is a difficult question publicly in front of everyone. 
And what do they reveal about themselves underneath that pressure? Remember, this is our focus this morning. What do they reveal about themselves underneath that pressure? Well, there's a number of things, and I want to go through them with you this morning. Firstly, they reveal themselves. The Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court of the day, they reveal themselves to be hypocrites. You may have seen quiz questions that begin with true or false. This is a question like this. It's not phrased this way, but you could say, John's baptism was from heaven, true or false. And yet think about it. This is a question that relates to the truth. And yet think about it. What is their first instinct when it comes to this question about the truth? Here they are, the truth guys. What's their first instinct when it comes to this question about the truth? Their first instinct is verse 31. Discussion of the consequences. That's their first instinct. The truth, guys, their first instinct is discussion of the consequences. Instead of saying, we'll affirm the truth regardless of the consequences, they discuss among themselves the consequences of affirming the truth or not. And that shows them to be what? Hypocrites. Because they're supposed to be the men who are all about the truth. And yet here they are discussing, first and foremost, the consequences of affirming the truth rather than the truth. It's rank hypocrisy. And it's rank hypocrisy because, again, this isn't Caesar doing it. This isn't the the Roman Senate doing it. This isn't Herod doing it. This is the Jewish Sanhedrin, the, the Supreme Court of the day. It's the first thing they reveal. They reveal themselves to be hypocrites. Secondly, they reveal themselves to be foolish. Not only is this a question about the truth, it's also a very simple question. Sometimes with true or false questions, they're quite hard because they're not what you expect. Right? Often a trap with true or false questions. It sounds false, but it is true. It sounds true, but it is false. Sometimes true or false questions can be difficult, can be hard. This is not a hard question. This is not a difficult question. This is a simple question. Just think about it. John the Baptist wasn't some obscure person that no one had ever heard of. He was one of the best-known religious figures of the day. And of all people, of all groups, the Sanhedrin should have been able to give you a straight answer to the question, who was John the Baptist? And they don't say, who is John the Baptist? That's not their response. Never heard of that guy. It's not their response. They should be able to give an answer as to who is the biggest religious figure of the day next to Jesus. And what exposes their folly here is the fact that the simpletons in the crowd could easily have done that. They knew who John the Baptist was, and they knew his baptism was from heaven. Yet they can't do that. Instead, they have to say publicly, we don't know. Thirdly, they reveal themselves to be liars. So not only do they reveal themselves to be hypocrites, not only do they reveal themselves to be foolish, they reveal themselves to be liars. You know, the least they could do in this situation is just say to Jesus, 
good question. We really don't want to answer it right now. It's the least they could do. Ixnay on the John the Baptist. Eh? <laughs> That's the least they could do. We're scared to answer that question. We don't want to do it right now. Can we take this offline? That's the least they could do. At least that would be honest, right? We don't want to answer that question. But they don't. They don't say that. Instead, they say, we don't know. And what is that? That's a complete lie. It's a complete lie. They knew full well who John the Baptist was. They knew full well who they thought he was. Now, we don't know what they thought. We don't know what was going on inside their minds and hearts, but they knew what they thought. And instead of honestly saying to Jesus, here's what we think, or instead of honestly saying to Jesus, at least, listen, we don't want to tell you what we think right now. Can we talk about it later? They just lie. And they say, we don't know. And they do that. Why? They do it because they're cowards. This is the fourth thing they reveal about themselves. They're cowards. There's a remarkable paradox here. Here they are, and they're the leaders of the people. That's who they are. They're the leaders of the people. And yet, who are they afraid of? In verse 32, they're afraid of the people. The leaders of the people are afraid of the people. Can you imagine being a sheep farmer who was afraid of sheep? You imagine being a cow farmer who was afraid of cows. If someone said to you, I'm afraid of cows, you would say, well, you shouldn't be a farmer then. Pick another, be a hairdresser. Pick something else. But here's these men. They're supposed to be shepherds. They're supposed to be leaders of the people. And yet they're afraid of the people. It's a remarkable parable. Now, as we're going to see, Jesus reveals himself to be almost the polar opposite of these religious leaders on all of these counts. But before we look at that, I do just want to say a couple of things. Firstly, it's remarkable how often religious leaders, highly respected religious leaders, people who are the equivalent of the Sanhedrin today, it's remarkable how often they are shown to be hypocrites, Fools, liars, and cowards. It happens all the time. In a word, frauds. Just in the last week, I stumbled across yet another story, I've yet another pastor, and yet another scandal, and it just doesn't end. And the reason it doesn't end is this. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in the same way that here he publicly exposed the religious leaders for the frauds they were, he still does the same today. So never be surprised when that happens. Instead, see it as the work of the Lord protecting his bride. Secondly, and more personally, when this happens to you, when under pressure you reveal your character, your true character, what's inside of you, your nature, your heart, just be honest about it. When you're put under pressure and you act in a way that you know is wrong, if you show yourself to be a coward or a liar or foolish, don't excuse it. Don't say, well, that's not me. Instead, say, Lord, help me. I'm not what I should be. But Lord, you can change me. Help me. 
save me, make me like you. That brings us to the Lord and what he reveals about himself. And as I say, it's really the inverse, the polar opposite of the religious leaders. Firstly, Jesus shows such conviction. Remember that rather than affirming the truth, the religious leaders discuss the consequences of affirming the truth. Notice what Jesus says here. He says to them, if you answer me, I will answer you. I will do it. I'm going to do it. No strings attached. He doesn't say, if I like the consequences of affirming the truth, then I will answer you. He says, I will answer you. I will do it. Regardless, I'm going to do it. So he shows such conviction. Secondly, he shows such wisdom. Remember how foolish they showed themselves to be. Jesus is the polar opposite of that. He shows such wisdom. I mean, how did he think of this in the moment? You ever wondered that? How did he, how did he do this? <laughs> how did he think of this in the moment? Here he is teaching the people. And here come the Jewish Supreme Court, and in front of all of the people, they try to trap him. And in that moment, instead of panicking and kind of stammering and getting all flustered and hot, you know, in his neck and sweating, didn't do any of those things. He says, that's fine. I'll answer your question, but I'll ask you one first. And within seconds, he goes from being trapped to having trapped them. It's remarkable wisdom, and it's such a contrast. They couldn't answer the simplest true or false question, one that even the simpletons in the crowd could answer, one about John the Baptist. But Jesus, when answering their question, shows such wisdom. Thirdly, he shows such courage. He shows, in other words, his absolute commitment to telling the truth. And this flows out of what I said earlier. Remember, they not only discussed the consequences of affirming the truth, they decided they didn't like the consequences and lied. Think about Jesus. And only a few days, remember it's Tuesday, Tuesday of Passion Week, and only a few days he will be brought before this exact same group, the Sanhedrin, and he'll be asked, are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And he'll say what? I am. And what will happen? What will be the consequences of him affirming the truth? He'll be crucified. Which leads to the final thing I want to say about Jesus. He shows himself under pressure to be absolutely full of love. These religious leaders were cowards. They feared the people. But Jesus doesn't fear the people let alone the religious leaders. Instead, he loves the people. Remember what he was doing when the religious leaders approached. Beautiful picture. He was a shepherd feeding his sheep. He was feeding the people. He was loving them. He was giving them words of eternal life. He was preaching the gospel. And it was in front of all of these people that he revealed these religious leaders for the frauds that they were. Which is to say, in front of all, all of those people, he shamed them. He publicly shamed them. 
And there's nothing that fallen men and fallen women hate more than being publicly shamed. Nothing. But that's connected to his love. Think about it. As I alluded to a moment ago, in only four days' time, we're going to read about this exact same group of people, the chiefs, priests, and the elders, together with the scribes. What are they going to be doing? They're going to be mocking Jesus as he hangs from the cross. You don't think this public shaming was in their minds as they did that. You don't think they thought you publicly shamed us four days ago. Now look who's shamed. Now look who looks foolish. Of course it was in their minds. But that just shows how full of love he is. Because though he didn't deserve it, he was willing to bear the shame of all of the sin, of all of the people listening, and all of the shame of all of our sin as well. And that's the gospel. It's that Jesus is the good shepherd, unlike these shepherds. Jesus is the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So whoever you are, look to him this morning. See him hanging there publicly shamed and recognize that he took your shame upon himself because he loves you. And then strive every day to reflect his wonderful image, his beauty, a beauty we we see revealed here in this text. Will you pray with me? as we close. Our gracious Father, we pray that as we see Jesus crucified, we would be made more like Jesus, more fearless before men and more full of love for men, that we might reflect the Lord Jesus who was full of love for men and for us. We thank you that he has died. He has taken our shame, all of the shame we feel. He has taken our shame upon himself. And he has given us his righteousness. May we rest in that. May we rejoice in it. And may we live in light of it all of our days. In Jesus' name, amen.